Welcome to Love Your Family again and again and again and again, the podcast where we focus on parenting with love and clarity. I'm Dr. Marcy, a family culture expert who for over 20 years has been helping parents to create happy and strong families. Today, I am joined by Jessica and Lewis, and it is so much fun to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. We're very excited about this. Yeah. So tell us, I know that you have two beautiful children and you've been together a long time. Tell us about your family. All right. I can take this. Um, So we have been together for about 20 years now, married for a little over 13. We have two great kids. Ray is nearly 10 years old and Liana is uh, going on six, um, both very energetic, healthy, wonderful, caring children. We're very lucky. Fantastic. And how old are, how is the age difference work out between the two kids? Well, they're about a little over four years apart. Um, I'd say that uh, generally speaking, they get along really well. Um, Ray is really protective of his little sister, uh, but at times, you know, she can be extremely annoying and to him, not to us. And, um, uh, but I think in general, uh, it's, it's really nice to see them, you know, growing together, learning and, uh, sometimes fighting (laughs) as they do. I love that the age gap in every family varies and how that then plays out is always different. So I love asking what is amazing about your family. Let's start with the good. Louis, you want to, want to take that? Sure. I mean, uh, I, I think that we have a, a pretty tight bond when it's a, a family as a whole. And I think uh, that we all have, I mean, just like every family parent uh, has their own bond with, you know, we have a bond with each kid. I have a, 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 a great bond with Ray and a great bond with Liana separately. Um, uh, the same way that, that they each have their own separate bond with Jessica. And, you know, it, it, it flourishes because. Uh, we have our own time with each other and we have our own, you know, connections. I think that's awesome. It's one of the things I often encourage parents to do is make sure you have that one-on-one time with each kid, because we know attention is one of things that helps kids thrive. So the fact that you have created those individual relationships, as well as the whole family unit is fantastic. And whether you know exactly how that impacts your family for good or not, I have no doubt that it does. What are some of the moments that are a little bit trickier that you actually came here to chat about today? I can take that one. I, I think that um, there's a little bit of a challenge sometimes, I, and I'm not sure if it's because of the uh, age difference between them. Um, but, the, you know, I think just kind of like every brother and sister they have their 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 quarrels together uh but they they have their connections just as well like you know we have uh before you know mentioned before but um uh our uh, ray being the 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 older one um depends on his sister a lot uh specifically because of um uh he he has issues being alone and he has anger issues uh, as well. Uh, and, and when I say anger issues, I don't necessarily mean that he's an unhappy child. 
he's a very happy child, but when uh, something upsets him, he blows up and, and, um, well, basically, you know, he, he eventually calms down, but he blows up and he doesn't know how to handle the moment of something that, that he doesn't agree with or, or doesn't want to do. Yeah, and it, it can really change the dynamics of the family. Like I find sometimes um, his volatility can really disrupt everything in our house and sometimes make it a little bit unpleasant to be home, which I don't want to continue feeling. Um, it affects his sister. Uh, she sometimes will mimic a lot of the things that he's doing. Um, and and I think it's a lot about his own self-regulation, self-control, and his confidence. So like Lewis was saying, you know, he's he's scared to be in a room by himself. Um, he won't he won't go to his he won't go anywhere without one of us or his sister being in in the that room with him in the house, which is really challenging um, after a while. But it, you know, if he if he faces a challenge, something that's hard, his tendency is to give up, um, and uh, and and really so just trying to understand like how to manage the, the volatility, how to manage these outbursts where he'll be faced with a challenge, be faced with something that 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 gets him um, worried or upset or anxious or that he just doesn't want to do like his homework. He, that that's a, 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 a big example of where he, he, he may not want to do it. And then he'll, he'll start pounding the table, pounding the walls, yelling, crying, screaming, and then calling us names and that we're the worst parent in the world. So, um, which, and then, and then a few minutes later, once everything, well, maybe not a few minutes later, hours or so later, when things settle down, he's the most pleasant child. So it's, it's just a lot of volatility, um, which, you know, hope he can, we can learn to help him regulate a bit more. Yeah. I love that perspective on he's having a hard time with this and we can, we want to learn how to help him. Right. Because it's not, it's not that there's something wrong with him. It's not a defect in your child. It's not the way he is destined to be for the rest of his life. He's having really big feelings. And as a family unit, you need to learn how to support him and how he can regulate those feelings. Because anger in and of itself, we all have. We all get angry, but it's what we do with it and how we express it that can absolutely change. So a couple questions. How frequently is he having these, these type of moments? Um, it depends what's going on, I feel like, in his life, but it, it could be every day that he'll have okay. some sort of outburst. About, and how- who knows? about about what he's eating for dinner about what he's what he has to do for homework about a shirt that he doesn't feel right when it, he puts it on it could be anything yeah how but, long and, do they last uh, they can they can last uh uh 10 minutes to a couple of hours um where where there's the anger and or the the fact that he's unple- not, you know not pleased uh with things but i mean they're there are also a lot of uh, um, moving variables that it, for for each for each situation, right? He he has uh, sensitivity issues, right? So sometimes wearing a specific pair of uh, pants or a shirt or something like that bothers him, and it triggers him, and it, it you know it 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 all roll, starts to roll down down the hill that, at that point, and then um, 
it, it could also be with the same thing with uh, as Jessica mentioned there with with food, where we're trying to get him to eat healthier stuff, and he doesn't he refuses to eat vegetables or fruit, and we have to push it. Uh, and I'm sure it's like that with other families, but um, uh, on some occasions where. But, you know, we notice other families, too, where their kids, no, no problem. They'll, they'll eat vegetables and fruits, and it's part of their just their regular diet, where with, with Ray, that, that's not, you know, that's not the issue. And, you know, it, it's not, that's not the case. Um, uh, it could be uh, as well as, like, his fear of being alone, where if he needs to go, if he needs to go to his room or something like that, he'll ask Liana, come with me, even though she's a lot younger than him. Uh, he, he just needs to have that presence. So it, it, it all just, it's all a big ball of wax and, and depending on what's going on, uh, there are, there are times where he's just completely, you know, content and he, he does become very helpful when, when it's Liana that's having her moments where, and he jumps in and he helps and he, you know, um, and she listens to everything, you know, that, that he basically says, um, mm -hmm. Well, with yeah. with her, with her, um, she's basically she's basically, you know, as he's the the bigger the older brother, he she started copies everything that he does, right? So a yeah. lot of the, that he's having issues with, she's starting to mention here and there that she's yeah. having the problem. Which is awesome that you see that, right? There's a difference between that genuinely being who Liana is in the world and it being a behavior that she is modeling, because if it's something that she's modeling then A, it gives us that much more motivation to address it with Ray. And B, it's going to be quicker for, for it to change in her because it's not how she was demonstrating anger or how she was operating as far as moving around in the house. But she's, she's picking it up because she doesn't know that that's not normal. She doesn't know that that's not what all kids are doing in their own house. So it's a it will be a faster change for her and the longer we have a behavior, the longer it takes to change. So when that's just a way to level set of, my guess is this is something that Ray has done for most of his life. And given that he's almost 10, that's a long time to have experienced anger, experienced himself in this way. And so it will take longer to change. Doesn't mean it can't because all behavior can change, but it will take us time to get there. And you having the appropriate expectation of, what do you mean we didn't? in a week from now, it's not going to be all better, right? We're going to talk some strategies and it is going to be about weeks or months of putting those strategies in place. And you'll see small progress, but we have to recognize the small progress as we go so that you still stay motivated as opposed to being like, why isn't this gone? Because behavior doesn't go from everything to nothing. It goes from everything to a little less and a little less and a little less and a little less. And then you're in a better place, but we all stay human. So my final question, and then we'll dive into some strategies and what you've been doing that works and what doesn't is, does Ray do this in other environments or only at home with, with you as mom and dad? You know, school, is he having moments like this on play dates or, you know, if he takes classes, are these things happening out in the world or only with the two of you and only at home? So I would say, I would say 90% of it is only at home, but especially the outbursts and then the sort of like the, the anger piece of it. Um, at school, if something's hard, he does tend to shut down and, and the reaction is I can't do it. Um, 
But uh, fortunately for us uh, and for and for him, uh, mostly for him, you know, socially with his friends, he he's got a ton of friends and that is amazing. Um, and so I feel thankful that he lets it out at home. Uh, I just wish he was letting it out in, in a slightly different way. <laughs> Part of why I asked that question is it tells me that he has some other coping skill that he is using in school, right? Or that when he's around his friends, he knows that this kind of language, especially the, the what sounds like the, the mean words that he's using with you guys at home, he knows if I say that to my friends, that's not okay. And so that filter is there. What it also probably means is that he is getting frustrated in all of these other places and it builds and builds and builds. And we need to create a little bit of a release valve because he's using it at inopportune times. And like, it's kind of at a higher boiling temperature when he comes in the door already, because he's been keeping it together all day out in the world and he comes home and something small happens that you're not expecting to be hard. And it feels really hard because it's been layered. Mm -hmm. So part of it is thinking about what do we do in the moment when he's having a hard time? How do you navigate the behavior in real time? But also how do we create a, a reset of his boiling point so that he knows how to navigate these big feelings before they explode. But also how does he learn to have a better relationship with, with anger, with expectations, with challenge. Um, and some of that will go to how he sees himself. Some of it goes to resiliency. Some of it goes to emotional intelligence, all skills that so many of us need to learn intentionally and perhaps learn a little differently than kind of what is the norm out in the world of whatever skills he has seen around this, he don't actually work for him. So we have to come up with something a little bit creative and different for him. But changing behavior is that two prong of what do we do in the moment, but also how do we teach Ray to do this differently in an ongoing way? And so Lewis, you pointed out a really great thing when you were talking about him, that there are all of these different pieces that are combined, right? We can't parse out and just say, let's him being alone is the problem or him wanting to be around um, him, his sister going with him is the problem or what he eats is the problem or it's the homework that's the problem. I think really it's this regulation piece that if we can navigate that for him and, and give you guys some tools to help him learn to regulate his feelings, then it becomes easier to push his frustration tolerance with food, with being by himself, with homework in all of these different ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I wanted to add, I wanted to add here quickly um, and not to take up a lot of time, but uh, I want to add here quickly. One of, one of the things that I've I've noticed with him over the last, maybe at least two years, right. Where, um, and I'm not, Jessica doesn't necessarily, I don't know if she agrees with this or not, but you know, uh, uh, Ray, he, he's a very, very big, like baseball fan. He loves baseball. And I think that, I think that, um, one of the things with him, him playing little, you know, little league a lot is, is that he's actually found himself. And and that's the way I see it. Jessica doesn't necessarily, uh, see it that way, but, but it, it all points to me on uh, self-confidence, right. Where before, when he was, uh, you know, younger, he'd go through in school and they'd go through all these preparations and for um, performances and stuff like that. And he would actually be the kid that would sit down when the performance was uh, happening. He'd sit down on the stage in a corner by himself after practicing for weeks 
where on the baseball field, he, he luckily he has this natural, you know, eye hand coordination and and he basically, you know, he performs well. And a lot and the cheering from all of his friends motivate him. Right. And so uh, to me, I think a, a self-confidence thing, you know, like even when he does his, when he comes to homework, right, where he does the, the, the studying for, for math and stuff like that, he fights it and fights it and fights it. And then when he finally stops fighting it and realizes that he can actually do it, he's happier and he comes back and he apologizes for his behavior. Right. Well, and but- when we feel good, it's easier to do hard things when, when we feel, when we have a story in our head that we're going to fail that it's too hard for us, then we don't even want to try. And we all have that. And it sounds like there are many moments where Ray has created that story of failure for himself and then plays it out. And it sounds like baseball is a place where he feels successful. And so then you can see the success be getting success. And that's awesome. Jessica, it sounds like you have a different opinion. And as parents, I mean, it's why I love having both of you right here is it's okay for you to see this differently and still provide the support that Ray needs to move through this. So Jessica, I would love to just hear some of your thoughts on kind of his, his self-confidence in this piece that Lewis just talked about. Sure. Sure. So he, I mean, I, I, I love baseball for him. I think it's great. It's a fantastic way for him to, to build his confidence to, and, and to build a, you know, become part of a team. I think there's lots of ways to build his confidence. And I think, but I think like with, with, Al, with, um, Ray. It's a, it's a bit of a, um, trying to find the words. It's like a lot of what he does. I think he, he, he lacks confidence, but then he also uses it as an excuse to avoid something that he just doesn't want to do at the moment when he's interested in something, he's really good at it. But, um, you know, he, he uses a lot of uh, mechanisms to avoid what he, what he doesn't want to do. And a lot of that is, 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 is using his bad behavior to avoid something that might take him five minutes. <laughs> Which is so very human of him. It's so very human of him. When it's our kids, we can see it so specifically how they're doing that, right? When it's an, when we're an adult, we're just, we're just too busy. I'm just too busy to vacuum my living room. I'm just too busy to get that last email written to that person I was supposed to follow up with three weeks ago. It's, it's I'll get there one day, but I'm just too busy. And we have more capacity to make really sophisticated reasons around why we're not doing something. Whereas you're seeing it so transparently with Ray of when he feels good about it, when it feels easy, he's in. And when he feels hard, he like creates a whole mountain between him and the task. It's very, very human. Just how do we make that mountain smaller? How do we make that mount? How do we teach them to go around the mountain rather than using it? Right. And that's, that's what we all do when there are things that we want to do. I mean, not to go on a tangent about creating this podcast, but it took me a while to actually put this together because I didn't know how to make a podcast and it felt big and overwhelming and intimidating, but I wanted it enough that I decided to find the tools in order to create it. We have to create moments where Ray wants to succeed enough that he's willing to do the hard work to get there. And that's a skill set, right? In my, you know, 40 something years of life, I have learned that every time I do the hard, scary thing, it's worth it. Ray in his 10 years 
has had more experience avoiding than doing. And so we have to start building success upon success upon success for him. Now, let's get into some tools for that because this is the first tool is often when there is this type of explosive and hard and exhausting behavior, once your kiddo sits down and finally does the thing that needed to be done, once it happens, you're all exhausted and you're like, great, fine, go, we're done, right? When Ray needs to do homework and has a big, a big moment and it takes you five hours, I'm exaggerating with that, right? Maybe it's an hour to do five minutes worth of work. By the time you're done and it's been an hour and 15 minutes and he did one sheet of math, you're like, I now need to go get dinner ready. Just go. Like everyone's had it. What I'm going to suggest is that you find that little extra kernel in the bottom big toe of your foot to say, oh my gosh, Ray, we did it. Like math is done. We sat, we did it. It's accomplished. No matter how long it took you to get there, once it's done, celebrate that he did it because we need to build that voice in his head that says, oh, I, 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 I did the math. The math is, okay, tomorrow this, I can do this easier. And so I should the- say to him, uh, hey, do you see it just took five minutes? What is the matter with you? That's, that's not the, the correct response. <laughs> nope, because then that becomes the voice in his head that goes, yeah, why didn't I do that? I'm bad. I'm mm-hmm. stupid for it taking me so long, right? Just like when I'm trying to eat healthy and decide to have ice cream for dinner. And then I go to my head and I go, this is why I'm so tired all the time. This is why I'm out of shape because that was stupid of me for doing that. Sometimes you, you realize afterwards, but if you built the voice inside him of, wow, we did it. It only took us five minutes. Maybe tomorrow we can do it faster. Maybe tomorrow this can feel better. We can do this. Like you, you're amazing. Thank you. Math is done. Let's go figure out dinner because what we're doing is not actually having a conversation with him about how we feel. We're inserting a voice into his head that can help make it easier for him in the future because your voice he listens to, even though he yells at you and he pushes back and he says unkind things, he is taking in who you tell him he is. And so it is very human of you, very human of you to say, can't you see? We didn't need to go through all of that because that's what you're thinking. And that's how you're feeling. And that's okay. But the more you say, look, we did it. We got it done tomorrow. We can do it better. What could we do tomorrow to make it even better? Is it the second piece, right? Saying to him, you know, is there a way that I can help you tomorrow? Remember this moment. Remember that we actually did the work in five minutes. It not only helps him hear that voice in his head that he is capable and competent and can do it with ease, but it helps you remember that you can do it because I would guess that every time you sit down to do homework in your head, you go, what's going to happen now? And you get scared and you brace for that, which means there are then micro behaviors that you do that signal to him, this is going to be hard and stink. And then he brings that into the real world and you bring that into the real world and it becomes this behavioral dance that you create together. And so it's hard for us to go first, but if we can go first and say, today, today we're going to do this and it's going to be awesome and you're going to be great and I'm going to be great in supporting you doing it and watch how easy math can be. 
And no matter what behavior comes up, you're like, okay, we let's, let's sit down and focus on what needs to get done. Because all of those distractions, my guess is you go down the rabbit hole of distraction with him when he's like, yeah, but this thing happened at school that I need to talk about. And now I need a snack. And now I need a this. And now, now you're stupid and dumb and I hate you. All of those things get a response. Tell me about what happened at school. We'll make it better. Yes, of course you need a snack, even though you just ate a half hour ago. And oh my God, I'm not a bad mom because then he's talking to the voice in your head that keeps you up at night too, that that might, what if he's right? Which just like your voice lives in his head, his voice lives in your head. So we need to get kindness on both sides. But if you say, we can talk about all of that once homework's done, you can have a snack once homework's done, right? And maybe it's not all homework. Maybe it's this math sheet, or maybe it's three problems. But if you set the expectation of all of that can happen once we do math and you keep that focus on the thing that needs to get done, it is going to be easier for him to focus on it. And all of those distractions will not be as distractible because you won't go down those rabbit holes with him. And if he wants your attention and if he wants your help and if he wants your support, which he does, he'll stay with you or he'll stay more with you in that conversation around homework. Then you will help him feel successful, which will make it easier the next day. How does all of that feel hearing it? I, I can I can take that, uh, and and I'm sure Jessica would probably want to add her her own comments there. And and I think that I I couldn't agree more with uh, the statement there as far as um, uh, him having that voice and or that feeling where uh, uh, he feels that he can't do it, and and um, uh, the, the self confidence where he's like after he's accomplished it or something like that he basically states he's like oh yeah I'm so stupid or I'm some dumb and and he has that feeling about himself just like there um, uh, for for instance like when he brings up like oh I'm hungry or I need a snack and he can't focus on doing the homework like that we we actually have found that breaking that that moment this is what I have to do in front of me because this is the homework and I can't allowing him to actually have the snack lets him kind of reset uh a, a little bit um but yeah i i, I think it, it's a, it's a true statement he 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 finds himself where he can't um necessarily uh agree that he can actually do it he talks himself into that he can't yeah yep so lewis i love that you just said the snack helps him reset knowing your own kid and saying you know Dr. Marcy, you just said that I shouldn't, shouldn't take a break to give him a snack. But I know that for my child, that actually helps when he says he needs something to eat that actually helps him. That's knowing your kid because you will always know what he needs more than any expert who's going to give you guidance. And I'll give you all of the strategies and then you decide what's going to work for your family, right? So that's awesome, awesome discernment that is really important because parent intuition is real and is strong. And you have to listen to that voice of yourself first. The other piece is there, there are two things that I want to highlight. One is you can pre-frame. It's one of my favorite things to do with kids. Success. Ray is creating a story that he's going to fail. So when you're like, it's homework time, he is starting to go through that story. So what if you out loud told him a story of success when you sit down to do hard things. All right, right. It's time to do homework. Let's look at what you have. You have a math sheet. Oh, it's some addition problems. You did these last week. You are awesome at addition. 
So we're going to sit down. I know that you're going to be like, all right, mom, I got this. Okay, dad, watch how fast I can do these 10 math problems. And then we're going to have a happy dance. It's going to be the best homework ever. We're going to have so much time to play together afterwards. And then we're going to have a delicious dinner. Best afternoon ever. Are you ready for a rockin' Tuesday? And then see what happens. What if that story becomes what he tells himself and is true? And it's more likely to be true than if we both are in our own heads of you and him both going, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. It's more likely to happen if you tell him that. Second, notice that I embedded you, we, we get to play when this is done because often what happens in families, and it may be happening in yours, is that when Ray is having a hard time with homework, you're staying with him in that hard bubble, in that hard moment altogether. But once homework's done, y'all go to your separate corners. So the way that Ray gets more one-on-one time with you, now I know in the beginning it was mentioned that you have a lot of one-on-one time. So maybe this isn't true in your family. Maybe this is for somebody else who's listening, but might be for you. What if you said, we're going to spend the next hour together? However long it takes homework to get done, takes homework to get done. The rest is going to be us playing. So that the way Ray has time with you in the afternoon is not dependent on falling apart around anything, but that it is just part of the structure of the day. Because I know that you are both working parents, which means that after school time is limited. And my guess is that when he has ease and grace, you're occupied with something else. So if we can build in some of that attention and focus and goodness and play at the back end of homework, at the back end of some of these moments that are hard, you might see a shift there too. Well, we, we've sadly um, relied on the great babysitter um, television as the great motivator because we used to not allow any television during the week. Um, and then notice that if, if, if I, we, I started saying, well, listen, Ray, if you get all your homework done and, and it's done in a pretty calm way, then you can watch a show. And that helped enormously. But there are still, you know, some moments um, and I'd say like generally things have been getting better, but I'd say, you know, there, there are still these moments of just total explosion. And so in the moment where he's literally banging the door and I'm afraid that the glass door is going to break, um, how do you suggest uh, with with because it seems that generally he only listens to screaming and in those moments or just mm-hmm. maybe totally ignoring. Um, yeah. I've started totally ignoring that. That seems a little bit better, but I, I just don't know how, how to try to like make those moments a little bit less um, potentially damaging on my, on my home, <laughs> on the furniture. Part of that is teaching him some emotional intelligence. And part of that is modeling the behavior. So what that makes me wonder is when you are angry, either of you in your home, do you get explosive? And the truth is most parents do. And so as hard as it is, we have to go first. So having moments where you are red as the day is long, as you are, like when you are shaking with anger and you go, I am so angry. I am walking out of this room. I am taking five minutes by myself and I'm going to come back when I'm ready to talk to you and you leave. And you go and you 
stare at a wall and you take a bunch of deep breaths and you come back in five minutes and you say, I am still really angry and I still need more time and I'm not ready to talk to you. I will be back in another five minutes. And you do this until you are calm and ready to engage with them. But you have to model what anger looks like, right? And it might be, I am so angry, I'm going for a run. I am so angry, I'm gonna go dance in the living room, right? I, I dance when I'm happy, I dance when I'm angry, right? But you know, so many adults go to kickboxing class because that's where we get out our anger. I'm gonna go in the backyard and yell. I'm gonna hit the couch. I'm gonna stomp on the floor as long as you don't live in an apartment, you know, mm-hmm. stomping on the floor. I'm gonna push this wall away because I'm so angry right now. What are your coping skills around anger that you're demonstrating so that Ray can see this is how we move anger healthily. This is what we do. So he does scream into pillows um, and he'll, you know, stomp and do those things. I mean, are are those coping mechanisms you suggest and are appropriate? You think those those are awesome coping mechanisms as a stepping stone? right? Do I want Ray at 20 to be hitting the couch? Maybe not. I'd want him to be going to a kickboxing class or a, you know, I I want that to come out in a different way because I think, you know, in college hitting a couch might not be the best thing, but screaming into a pillow in your own home when you're alone. Yeah. I think adults would be much happier if we allowed ourselves to let our anger out in that way. Have I taken vacations where I rent a house in the woods where I know there aren't going to be neighbors so that I can yell? Absolutely. Because we need to use our voices. And when we're told that we can't yell when we're angry, it does other things and it comes out sideways, like being mean instead of just yelling, right? Because we're, that's okay. It's okay to yell. It's not okay to yell at someone. It's not okay to be mean with our words. And they're coming out that way because he keeps being told he can't yell. And so, so what are what, what are some suggestions of what to say to him when he is mean to like when he says, oh, you're the worst parents. I hate you. I don't trust you. The very first thing to do in that moment is nothing. There's mm-hmm. no arguing with logic when someone's big in their mm-hmm. feelings, right? If If you are in a moment where you are so overwhelmed by whatever the feeling is, We know we're not thinking clearly. We're in fight or flight and we're not digesting that. So anything you combat with, he'll find an argument around and through and back door and front door. And like, don't take that as truth. Don't take that as a moment to have the conversation. When he is in these moments of big feelings, your job is how do I help him get back to calmness so that we can do what needs to get done? Now, so that might be in the middle of homework, we take a break to go yell in a pillow and come back. But it's not engaging in logic. It's how do I help him regulate? Then at other times in your family, you talk about those things. When everyone is calm, maybe it's a bedtime conversation. Maybe you go for a walk on a Saturday with just him and you say, hey, we need to make sure that kindness is happening in our family because that's really important. And what are some ways we can do that? And what are some ways where we haven't been kind and, and, and what, what can we do differently there? Here's the hard, but important point at that moment. You also say, you know, last week when you were really upset, I heard you say that you don't trust me. Tell me about that. Because if it's true that he doesn't trust you, 
you want to have a place where he can have that conversation with you with honesty in a place where he can actually express himself and you can hear it so that either you can say, well, that's really interesting. Let's, let's work on building trust or, well, here's what I was thinking and what you're seeing just is a different story, but I actually thought I was taking good care of you because the logical conversations happen there and you want him to be to learn the skill to say, if I'm mad at you, I can come say I'm mad at you without punching you in the face, right? If I'm upset, I can say that I'm upset without you rejecting me for it. But for most of us, whether it's with our kids or in our life in general, we don't take the time to have these really hard conversations. When he says, I don't love you, that moment in his anger, not the moment to have the conversation. But at other times to say, hey, like, do you really think I'm not a good mom and, and why? It's a heartbreaking question to ask your child. But if, if he has an actual answer for that, it's worth hearing. Because maybe his answer is because I wanted chocolate and you wouldn't give it to me. And then you can go, okay, like I, that, that doesn't. But he might say, because I miss you tucking me in at bedtime or, you know, I'm making things up, but, and you can go, oh, well, we can fix that. We can address that. Or maybe he's going to say, I was just really angry. And I knew that that would get you to, to be angry with me because sometimes we want to be matched and teaching him that that's not how we make our anger better. But you don't know until you ask him. And then it's also important that we as the grownups are doing our own work to navigate our big feelings so that the truth is, you know, you're a good parent. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. We all are going to make mistakes and hiccups and trips. And our kids are going to learn from all of those moments that we are learning with them. But you are a good parent simply because you are worried about someone telling you you're not. Bad parents don't even think about it. They're like, no, we're fine. They're still breathing. We're good. But you are being thoughtful and intentional and doing the best you can. And so as long as you keep doing that and you keep learning and you show that to your kids, you're doing a great job. And you have to keep reminding yourself of that. Make that the louder voice in your head. And talk to Ray about how you are building that reminder for yourself as he is building his reminder that he can do hard things too. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I want to I wanna com confirm that where... Uh, where he had made that comment to me the other day, we he had a doctor's appointment and we weren't necessarily sure if he was going to require a shot or blood drawn or whatever. And um, he was so angry that I was taking him. And he, he basically stayed, made that statement that he, that I was a, a bad parent. And, and it, you know, it turned out, you know, like I, I, I didn't wait because I, I, I wanted to address it then, but now I know, you know, I see that that's not what to do, that I should let it pass and then come back and talk to him. About it. But he did, he did respond. His response was that he knew that, that if the, he didn't allow the doctors or the nurse to do what they needed to do, that uh, he knew I was going to have to hold them down. And that was his fear. And he, that's what he said to stated to me, you know, a response to his statement that I was a bad, bad parent. Our words are so powerful because he really wasn't saying you're a bad parent. He was really saying, 
I don't like it when you have to hold me down, which creates a space for you to say, I hold you down because I know how important this shot is and your ongoing health and getting the medicine that you need is my priority. And that's why I do it. So if you sit calmly, I will sit, I will hold your hand. I won't have to do any of that. So how do we make this work so that it doesn't feel hard and scary to you and that we can make sure you, the doctors can do what they need to do. Our words are powerful. And if you teach him that, right, then it's going to be easier to teach him that in moments of kindness, in moments of calmness, he can create all of the changes he needs if he can articulate it. If he knows, sometimes we don't know, but in that moment he did. So that sounds like a beautiful conversation, Lewis. All right. So there've been lots and lots of pieces that we've talked about, lots and lots of things to go try and explore and experiment with. And what I really wonder for each of you, if there's one piece that you're like, okay, this is, this is my first small step. This is where I'm going to start. What's the one thing you're going to take away? Lewis, you want to start? It's just using different tools. Uh, having the ability to use different tools on how to address, uh, the situation, you know, um, uh, in, in, in the past, um, uh, where he wasn't behaving right or well, and, and we needed to like timeout, for instance, was, was a huge, huge thing for us where timeout didn't really work for him because we'd put him in a corner or sit him on a chair or something like that. And he would just refuse to stay there. And, 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 and your, your, your suggestion and tool was us leave the room, right? So now this is the same, basically this, you know, the same thing, although he, we can't leave the room now because he doesn't want to be by himself, but <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just different tools to use to approach, approach the situation. And uh, Jessica's tool is when she needs to try to encourage him to do something uh, is to sit down and watch TV. And, and for, for me, my tool is, basically give him something that I know that he wants to do going back to the baseball is basically having those activities, even though it's the off season to take him to practice because that's what he wants to do. And, and he, he gives up television to go and do that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Kids are willing to walk away from tech to go play outside. Makes me happy. All right, Jessica, what's your one big takeaway? Um, I'd say actually uh, just, Two, one, one is that um, I should be a bit more encouraging when he actually does get the work done and make it a more positive thing. I think I've been, you know, a little bit frustrated and overwhelmed and, uh, and I'm just like, oh, see, it wasn't hard instead of, instead of being more encouraging. And then also being a bit more sensitive that um, the reward can be me, maybe not in that moment, but just trying to have a bit more one-on-one time. I think it tend, I tend to spend a bit more time with my daughter because she's younger and she really wants more one-on-one time with me. And, um, and he's asked for it in the past um, and which I've been really impressed with him being so vocal about that. And so I think just listening to you um, makes me remember, okay, I gotta, I gotta continue to make that a priority because I think it spills over and just keep on keeping on. I want to add that, you know, to, 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 for, and this is really more like for Jessica, because as far as like the homework, she's the one that actually sits with him to do it. She, she has the knowledge of it more when it's specifically math, because it's not something that I work with every day. So she, she does have to face that alone time with him 
for him to be able to focus to do it. Um, so I think her job is a little bit harder when it comes to that. And, and I think that maybe he also sees me more. And, and Jessica has mentioned this before to me as well, is that he sees me more as the fun dad, right? Because I go with him to do the things that he's really interested in doing versus mom is sitting there, you know, trying to make sure that he gets done the stuff that he needs to do, right? As far as his homework. And finding that balance is something that is delicate in every family. Lewis, I love your acknowledgement of Jessica, which, you know, perhaps my final suggestion for the two of you is to make sure that just as I encourage you to bring goodness to the stories you share with, with Ray about what's possible for him, that you guys reflect to each other your moments of success. That Lewis, just like you said, Jessica has the harder moments to at the end of the day, when she did something beautiful with the kids to highlight that and be like, wow, like that was, that was cool. Did you see how you got them to listen? It was awesome. And Jessica, same thing for you to point out to Lewis, the moments that you're really seeing him thrive as a dad, because then your kids will also see that kindness modeling, but it will help combat those self-doubts that most parents have, and especially good parents tend to. So build each other up lean on each other for the good because it can be so easy to just be like, yeah, that was horrible. Yep. That was horrible. And move on as, and commiserate in, in the challenge, as opposed to raise each other up above it to the goodness and the fabulous pieces of your family. All right. So thank you. Thank you both for being here, for sharing so openly for, um, taking away tools and wanting to make your family even better. It has been such an honor to chat with you both today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for your support and for all of your great advice and, and uh, thoughtful and kind words. Thank you, Marcy, because this, this is definitely something that, uh, you know, every time you've given us a, a tool to use for it towards parenting, uh, it's, it's been successful. That's the goal. Success <laughs> in parenting. All right. And thank you for listening. I know your time is precious and limited, and I am grateful that you came and shared it with me and Jessica and Lewis. So I'm curious, what's your one takeaway? Share it with me in the comments for this podcast on my website, drmarcy.com. Want to be the first to know when new episodes are coming out? Go to drmarcy.com backslash podcast and sign up for my mailing list, and I will make sure you know. Want to be a guest on a future episode of Love Your Family again and again and again and again? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash podcast guest and let me know. Finally, do you need individualized help for your family? Do you want to have a private session with me or someone on my team virtually or in your home? Then visit drmarcy.com backslash contact and reach out. Remember, blue skies are ahead and we're going to get there together.